Well, um, guess what? More Picard, and uh, we watched it, and we're going to talk about it, because this is Engage, and we engage the material, don't we, Eric? We engage. That is Make exactly what we do. We engage. Anyway. Actually, I don't know how to work this thing. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like I'm going to have like at least one dad joke in this discussion today. So... Uh, you're, you know, you're welcome to have as many dad jokes as you want. I'm I, I know him not allowed the, uh, to tell a single dad joke. Dad Association. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah, someday. I'm I mean, not. It's, it's a pretty nice looking card, I guess. Maybe someday. Membership's great. There's yeah, a maybe handshake. someday. You look, you put some logs on your shoulder, and by logs on your shoulder, I mean children. Yeah, there's blood drawing and sounds you know, like fun. stuff like that yeah so anyway that guys like so now that we've talked about our secret society of dads let's <laughs> i just want to check in with eric real quick and see how the heck are you doing man uh, since since this last time that we talked about this web series well, uh, I am officially yeah, on spring buddy. break right now. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I'm not going back to class after spring break ends because all on-ground classes are canceled and we're moving them all to on-ground yeah. because yeah, so we're all freaking out right too. now. You know, like you're, you're teaching, like you run your own classroom and I shadow basically and I teach here and there and grade all the time as a TA. And we've been getting a ton of emails, like, every single day, like, with updates about this COVID-19 kind of thing. And I was at a conference in Georgia uh, recently uh, presenting, and, like, all the educators there were, were just talking about, like, what their, their schools are doing, like, their universities are doing with and stuff. And um, so, yeah, like, we're doing the same thing, basically. We are now officially converting everything, at least for the next three weeks of this semester, to online. Which, it's okay, because we're already there. With with the format and everything. Yeah, it's really not okay for me, because, like, technology and I don't really get along. Right? I'm a very low-tech person. And so it's just a big struggle for me. I've got a lot of stuff to do. It's going to be a working spring break for me. I have to work through it all and figure out sure. how to get this yeah. stuff figured out. And that's the thing, out. too. Like, I know you're you're in math, and I'm in not math. And the one of the – I'm part of the American Counseling Association, <laughs> and, and one of the divisions that I'm a member of is the Association for Counselor Education and Supervision. And there has been a very gracious offering for a webinar CE type of event where there's going to be at least three to four offerings on how to convert your face-to-face -face traditional classroom lecture style teaching to an online platform since not, it's not just the U.S. that's doing this. Um, I have a classmate, I have a, a fellow cohort mate that is a missionary in 
the Rwanda area over in the African continent, and they're doing the same thing. Like, schools are being shut down, and even the universities on parts of the African continent are having to do the same thing that us in the U.S. are doing, which is nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. Um, um, they're going to have a training session that we can go to um, sometime during next week. But, you know, we'll work through it. We'll get it figured That's out. Right. We'll get through this just That's like right. we get through everything so. else. Well, cool. Yeah, I just got back from from a trip. To, I just got back from that trip to Georgia. And it was my first time presenting at a conference. And it was very positive. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, I had one person just storm out, like about five minutes into my presentation, shaking their head. Um, it, it's not that it was bad. It was that like, bad? Par, part of the presentation was dealing with like the importance of word meanings. Like it was, it was part of like what I was getting at because I was talking about advocacy and social justice. Advocacy is a mandate that counselors have. And in the textbooks like that we're teaching our students, there's this interchange. Like it's almost as if advocacy and social justice are treated as, as synonyms. And I don't want to hijack this podcast and turn it into that, but I was trying to unpack it. And part of what I was saying is, you know, like when I say or ask, where's the mouse? What do y'all think of? Like, what, what do you think of Eric? If I ask you, where's the mouse? What do you think of? Yeah. Where's the mouse? Exactly. Reach so to you, it's a piece of hardware. My computer. But to someone else, it could be this critter that's scurrying across the floor. Or even someone else, it's the boss of Disney, right? So the context matters, the meaning matters, and that's why we need to have try and under, really understand what the role of what advocacy is and what social justice is. So there we go. And anyways, like as I was doing that, I was like, you know, we have this in our profession, but society and other people in general they hear social justice in the form of social justice warriors and that's when the guy got up and and walked out and didn't let me even finish what i was saying was like this is why words matter and meaning matters and why we need to really understand this so yeah those people that are like he was basically like too mm -hmm. long didn't read i have my own opinion so, I hate those. People. Anyways, but it was a great presentation. I, there was um, a dean that was there from uh, from a school, and he's like, "You guys need to do more of this. We need to be engaging in this conversation." No pun intended. And uh, and he's like, "You know, people are scared to talk about this in the <laughs> profession, and we need people doing it. And you ba you guys balanced it very well." So, I felt very proud. You know, not having a PhD lettering behind my name and the fact that someone in administration is like you did you done good so yeah well that's anyway cool. apart from that though uh i think that's it i mean rain i don't know if you've been getting rain so yay rain yeah 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 it rained here right. once i mean little last sky week. pee cool yeah. <laughs> 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 well, now that we've talked about SJWs and Sky P, I guess we should talk about Star Star Trek P. 
about. Yeah. Yeah, so. Star Trek P. Oh, this is bad, man. This is bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Wow. This is a great start, gang. All right, well, great, welcome. Great start. To great engage. start. I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney. And uh, the guy that's been talking with me, that is Commander Eric. And the way this works is we we take this week by week and we talk about uh, almost ad nauseum about each episode. And just like the things that we liked, some of the stuff we didn't like, and everything else in between for the most part. We try and avoid some stuff if we can, but otherwise we just engage the material. Hey, Indeed. we get to avoid Narek for a second week in a row. Wait, did I do that right? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. You have to do the eyebrow. So, anyways, you guys can't see this, but I am at Ops right now. I got this sweet virtual background <laughs> as Eric. And... Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty sweet. Cool. He's at Ops Star on Deep Space Nine. If it's the Cardassians cool. were part of that like, could be the Lone Star interior Station. decorating the station. <laughs> all right yeah yeah all right so um we are gonna be like we're gonna be talking about star trek picard uh season one episode eight broken pieces and uh per the huge we always seem to start with some kind of dream slash flashback sequence Hey, and not to tell you I said so again, but I think I said so again, where I said that last week I said I think next week's episode is going to open up, its flashback is going to be this apocalyptic vision scene with those people in that circle. Let's let's kind of talk about that real quick. So we we get into this, so this is the part we're going to actually start the show. Uh, So the flashback starts, and here we are. At the circle, glowy pool thing, black-robed something or another. It's like, yeah. a, like a glowing like a little wishing rail. well. Just throw your your latinum in there, make a wish. I don't know. And uh, anyways, there's these. You hear Commodore O uh, walking around, talking about this thing. This like this is going to drive you mad, or it could drive you mad, type of thing, and. We see some some people that we've seen before, right? We see uh, Ramda, which yep. we see Ramda, who was the the Ramda's Romulan there, yep. assimilated or, or Romulan XB basically that was playing tarot cards in an earlier episode, and um, yeah. then we also playing with their tarot see cards. Uh, mm-hmm. Rizzo or whatever her real name is. Yeah, well, yeah, Narissa, Cersei, yep. Narissa, Rizzo, whatever. Yeah. 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 Comic book villain and, uh, at the end of this by the end of this episode. Yeah, and and then I guess take it from there. I see I actually kind of like this flashback, right? Mainly I me. know you both you and I have been kind of down on them. But I actually well, yeah, but I mean, I actually kind of like this one. It's it's interesting because um for a lot of reasons, I think, but one of them is the actual, like, scenes we see in the vision, which supposedly she says that the people who built this did it, like, 200 or 300,000 years ago, 
But then in this vision sequence, we see it looks like that cyborg Arium. from Discovery. I yeah. can never remember her name. Arium, okay. There's that cyborg from Discovery. It looks exactly like her. Yeah, I was like... And then that face morphs hold, hold into Data. Like, wait, Thous wait. This was supposed yeah, to happen, like, yeah. 200,000 200, years ago. Like, why are we seeing people from, like, mm -hmm. 100 years ago in Star Trek universe? Right? So I was like, what is this? And then there was, like, a dead what fox right fox after that. Say? What does the dead fox mean? Yeah, and it was like, huh. And I don't know. I don't know where these visions came from if they were supposed to happen so long ago, but we're seeing, like, so, so did you make this connection at all? It's just dude, curious. That, you know, we, we see the little uh, caption of, like, this location, where they're at, and it says Aya or Aya, however you pronounce the dang thing. Yeah. And it says the planet of sorrow. Uh-huh. Grief, grief, grief. Grief, grief, sorrow, it's something like that. Yeah. Grief, right? And last week, Nepenthe was chosen as, you know, a very legitimate or not legitimate, very um, specific term for removal of grief and sorrow. So, do you think that that was intentional for choosing this planet and calling it this for this week's episode? Well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because we've seen that these names here, they're not just randomly chosen names, but like Ferguson and Independe meant something. So I tried to look no. up what Aya meant, no. but I couldn't find anything. Could you? No. So, but I think that's interesting that I didn't even think about that, how it said Planet of Grief and Nepenthe was supposed to be mm -hmm. this idea of taking away your grief or sorrow. Yeah. And that's cool. I that's might, interesting. Uh, the the we I think it's it's not here, but it's it's I think a little later on that we find out that this thing that they're participating in is called the admonition. And anyways, like that admonition must have uh, felt like it weighed a whole ton uh, for for them whenever they they heard it. <laughs> Or they saw that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I caught that. Yeah, it's called the admonition. I, I thought about the term the admonition. Did it hit you? We Did it feel like a whole ton whenever, yeah. you know, you were seeing what was on screen? Did it weigh heavy on your mind? Yeah, I wanted... It did. Mm -hmm. It did weigh heavy on my mind. Right? Like... Also, one of the things about this scene that interested me is during this whole speech that Commodore O is giving, she's saying, our four mothers came here before. And she's always using, like, the mm -hmm. female gender terms whenever she mentions people in this. And we only see women standing around in this circle. Do you think that has some meaning, like that the Javash is a completely female organization? Or do you just think that they maybe, like split you them know, up that's a that's a good good question I, I did know I did notice that it was all female like the 12 ish that were standing around the circle I did notice that uh-huh and and um if you notice in the last episode um uh 
Cersei, Lana, Cersei, Rizzo, she says to um, Elnor, she says, this is not how Jat Vash fights Kuat Malat. And we know that the Kuat Malat are supposedly, they're supposed to be all women. And so now is the Jat Vash all women that... as well? Okay, let's just, I, I know we're still in the flashback, but let's, let's kind of, kind of think this one out for just a second. We know that Romulan society is very secretive, like almost, like almost extreme paranoia with them to a certain extent. Okay, so we have the Tal Shiar, which that's correct. I don't know if it's appropriate to say continue to say Romulan secret police, but I mean that's just what it's it's kind of, right. Okay, it's so their their, their intelligence so like, gathering arm. Like a, a state-sanctioned organization, right? Okay, so we have we yes. we learn about Jatvash from Laris and Javan, and even when Javan was talking about it, he was saying that his mother would tell him stories about the Jatvash. But then we get to what is it? Ep uh, episode four, Absolute Candor, I believe, four or five. And they're, we're introduced to the Kuat Malat. Uh -huh. Do you think that Kuat Malat and Jat Vash are one side of the same coin? Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, thank you. Two sides of the same coin? Do you think maybe like one of them sprung, sprang off from mm -hmm. the other? Like they were at one point, mm -hmm. they were the same organization and they split? That is an interesting theory. And I could totally see that being the case. If it, if there is this thing about the feminine, because Kwatmalat is all females, and we're only theorizing at this point that Jatvash is, is all female, that's feminine, based on this circle and based on the people that we've met so far. We we don't know if, if Jabat... Yeah, and right, and we don't know and the if Jaban was, you know, Jatvash, other than just the stories that he heard from his mother. So, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. I don't know if we're going to get an answer to it in this season or like, ever but it's an interesting thing to think about I don't I don't I think I've mentioned this before and I, I don't know if this is an appropriate thing to to kind of compare it to but uh, you know like with with masons like you you have like your first degree second degree and third degree masons like that's what's called blue lodge and then from there you can split off and you can go either scottish rite or york rite scottish rite is like the one that people get all bent out of shape over like with like the 33rd degree masons and they're taking over the world you drink blood and all this other nonsense all these conspiracy theories about scottish rite masonry york rite masonry deals more with like some historical stuff like it's going to deal with like knights templar and um just some other stuff basically and it's all masonry but they choose what to focus on more based on what specific membership they want. So that's, again, I don't know if that's an appropriate comparison, but that's kind of what I think when I'm thinking of what we see now, 
like with with these social organizations that people could be a member of, and this Jatvash Kuatmalat thing. So, I'll let you guys listening decide what you want with that. Yeah, I didn't really think about that in depthly. I just thought it was curious that O uses the word for yeah, mothers. For sometimes mothers, I just think of the stuff right off the spot, man. I just wondered. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what happens? Um, uh, Narissa is the only one who's basically not driven insane by this admonition. And she basically says, we have to stop them. We have to stop this from happening. And how do we do it? And Commodore O says, we go to Mars. And so we're finally learning that the Romulans yeah, were behind this synth this, attack after all. It Which is. Which is, I guess, something that we've theorized but all here's, along, isn't Here's it? the thing, and this might be getting a little ahead. Maybe not, though. Nerissa didn't go cray-cray, like you just said. She she got tearful, somber, no, she didn't. Uh, and resolute with with what, what needs to happen next from, you know this side of the Jatvash, basically. Jurati is the same way. Whenever she, whenever she gets, like, her... Oh. Her mind meld thing going on, she doesn't go cray-cray. Mm-hmm. No, but I don't think she got the whole admonition. She just got mm-hmm. some little flash that could be transferred through the mind meld. It's probably not to the same degree as if you <laughs> held on to the shining ray. Wishing well. <laughs> well, it, that's what it is. Like a shiny handrail. Oh. Well, there we go. All right. So, at per the usual, we seem to get stuck in the in the flashback for a while. Yeah, I think so, right? There's lots of flashbacks. Yeah. There's a reason they put yeah, them in there. Info there? dump and keep on trucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're basically an info dump. Here's what you need to know to understand hey, here's this Here's your sign. Plop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then um, cue the intro and we're on the La Serena. And Chris Rios is yeah, he's, he's starting pouting. his nervous breakdown. <laughs> so, so this is one thing. I, I mean, we're gonna be all over this place with this. Um, I really don't like the story of Chris Rios at all in this episode. I like the scenes that he's in. But I hate the story. You might that's need to unpack that, that one just a little sense. bit. Are you referring to, like, his his different personalities being manifested through the hologram, or you talk, or what are you talking about? No, 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 no. No. So, so the scenes when he's just alone in his quarters and he's going down memory lane because seeing Soji has kicked off all these memories with inside of him. I think these are really well-made scenes, and I like to see some insight into Chris Rios, the character. 
right? How, um, you know, he is he is a broken person. This whole world is broken. Everybody's broken. And they have and they have legit reason to be broken too. Oh, he does. Right. Yes. Well, Chris Rios has legit reason to be broken here. Yeah. So I like these scenes where he he pulls out all this nostalgia. He goes into his little box and he looks at the picture of his his heroic captain whose tragic death has haunted him for 10 years. And and he's got and he pulls out this picture and then when Rafi comes in later to talk to him. Like I think these are really well-made scenes and I like seeing this character be vulnerable, but I hate the story behind it in the sense that everything here has to be connected right it's it's almost like star wars in a sense that the whole galaxy it's really only about like like a dozen people and why does chris rios's tragic backstory have to connect to the main story of star trek picard why couldn't he just have his own rich history and I just really don't like the way they're just trying to yeah, force I mean, like, everything to it? be connected. Um, I think it was like season one of Next Generation. I mean, we're certainly getting to know the cast and the, cur- and the characters and all that stuff, like in all all shows. But like, we're getting like these sprinklings of like, Will doesn't didn't get along with his dad, you know, and and we don't really start to see that until the second season. And then there, and then there's more payoff as the series goes on. So we don't need a complete info dump with all these characters all at once. Not that we're necessarily getting it all at once, but like it's just like like you're saying, like we gotta unload this stuff. Like, why do we have to unload this stuff? Well, that that's not even that's not even my point. My point is. Why does the tragedy that Chris Rios suffered in his past with his captain have to be connected in any way to this story of Picard, Bruce Maddox, Soji, and the Synths? Why? What's the? Per- why does it need to be? Why can't it just be? His own different side sure. past, and that, and yeah, that's, that's a good the point. point that I'm trying to make. So I guess if we're talking about Rios, um, did you watch the Ready Room by chance? So did you get the the pop quiz question? I correct? did watch the Ready Room. <laughs> I did, yeah. Well, I mean, I went and looked it up after that first episode. No, 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 not after this Ready Room, but after okay. the episode where we introduced Chris Rios. Right when we okay. met, when he mentions the Ibn Majid, I went and looked it up. Yes, yeah. and yeah, he was a navigator, and I think that's an Arab navigator. I mean, like all these names are chosen on purpose. So, like the person that's in charge of finding the way is, and Rios is, you know, lost his way or losing his way, and maybe starting to find his way again. So, and we see that kind of being played out in a way through all these holograms and I might upset some people with this again this is my opinion you guys are entitled to your opinions on the show and the developments of stuff we've, we've always said that with the main show and in this one I don't like 
all the holograms that there are. Like, it just seems a little overdone to me. Yeah, it's... it. I, I, there's some comical nature to this scene when when Rafi's in the holodeck with all of them and they're like uh, I know what it is but I don't know and then they all like smack themselves on the head at the same time there's some comical nature to it but I totally see your point that do we really need all of these mm -hmm. holograms with their own different personality yeah. like that like I can I don't know I don't know. Like with, I can certainly understand like the 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 EMH because we've had that for a long time with Voyager and stuff introducing it. I can understand engineering stuff done breaks. You gotta have someone to fix it. I can understand yeah, like an, an ENH, emergency pilot, right? Yeah, well, I'm talking about... Oh, isn't he tactical? drunk Spanish guy. Yeah, Enoch is... Oh, he's um, tactical. I thought he was the, the pilot. ENH. Sorry. Yeah. He's so, the navigation. I mean, yeah. it's not... It... But what's the need for yeah, a and hospitality then, like, And then it's the thing, like, please state the nature of your hospitality emergency. I'm like... Yeah, I don't oh, think I've on, ever dude. had a hospitality emergency in my hold life. Hold on. Going on a camp out, sit in my camping chair, I need me some coffee or some hot cocoa on a cold on a cold spring day in Michigan. That is a hospitality emergency. That's a hospitality emergency? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's how you're going to activate a hologram out in the woods though. <laughs> unless you got your mo, unless you got your mobile emitter. I mean, I, I like it, but I just think it's so silly. I, I, I mean, it's it's so silly. It is. It's it's definitely oh, yeah. silly. I think but it's. The fact that I think he, it's that supposed the, to be the hospitality um, program has like a little pad folio and stuff, like with like with a pad inside of it. And and. And then he doesn't have any personal boundaries. The hospitality guy, he's always like leaning in super close and people have to like back away from him. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's interesting. But you know, it's it's not a make or break for me by any means. It's just like a like a eh like a why kind of thing and if you like it, no, there's nothing wrong with liking it. I'm just like, I don't hate it and I don't love it. It's just there for me. And I enjoyed group therapy. That was that was fun. So. Yeah, yeah, like, I and I think Santiago oh. Cabrera is having oh, yeah. fun with it as oh, well. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was he was on the ready room and he said that he patterned all these mm -hmm. personalities after real people. True that he story. Knew. True story. So, yeah, I don't even know where we're at right now. Like, I think like I, we, just we like last time, like with Nepenthe, we could probably focus like our engage episode just talking about the La Serena. And then just talking about the artifact because it's it is there's that much 
of a split. Like, it's it's almost a 50-50 thing. Where you could talk about both storylines, just like that. Yeah, these... I think this is one of the problems I've had with this series the entire time, is that we have these episodes where you have such such drastic differences. You have your episodes in two locations, but it's not like you have episodes in two locations where you have the same tone. You have two different locations with incredibly different tones. And for me this this is this is not a good idea. I don't if if you like this out there listening in podcast world, uh, okay, I'm not here to tell you don't like this. But I really think this is a bad idea to have this idea. It's just, it doesn't work for me. Spoiler alert when I get to my overall thoughts at the yeah. end. But this just doesn't work for me. So, uh, with that being said, let's we're, let's just focus on the La Serena for right now. Just kind of talk about that. So, we have, you know, Rafi trying to figure out what the devil's going on with Rios. And that's... And then, like, a little talk at the end. And then... And then Rafi's trying to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on with the whole octanary thing. Right? Which, I, I kind of love her attitude in this episode. Like, I really liked Rafi in the first episode where we met her, and I have not liked her much since then. But she's talking to... Um, She's talking to Enoch, the the with the navigator hologram, and she says something like to the effect of This is actually kinda terrifying when you think about it. Unless you like super paranoid, crazy <laughs> conspiracy theories, then it's actually kinda fun. <laughs> and then and they then later on when they're she's talking with Picard and they're all sitting around the, the table, she says something to the effect of Hey, doesn't all of this stuff we're talking about here sound familiar? Like, <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> right? That's essentially, she just wants to be like, hey, JL, I told you so. I was right all along. I might True be story. crazy and paranoid, True but story. that doesn't mean I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, wh- which part? which part of the Lost Reno do you want to talk about right now? Let's talk about is it? Picard because this is Star Trek Picard, and I don't think we've mentioned I don't think we've really? mentioned Picard once. This in is a Star half Trek hour. Picard. Huh? Who this knew? is Star Trek Picard. So what's Picard doing here? The first thing he does is he meets with Admiral Clancy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it- what does he, he tell Admiral like, Clancy? I need a squadron, and I need it now, and to heck what you think of me, and thinking that I might be senile or whatever. Uh, but if you're if you're not going to do this, then quite frankly, Clancy, you're just taking up space. Oh, oh there's no. that too. The correct answer was, I told you so. Oh, I thought you were playing off the Rafi was telling Jean-Luc, I told you so. And now Which, Picard is telling Clancy, yes. I told you so. I, I told you so. Yes. Yeah. And then basically she says again, like, 
when we met Clancy the first time, you said it was disrespectful the way she treated him in that meeting. You were like, but I said I think it was on, yeah. appropriate. Her, 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 her response was appropriate, and spot on, and I think her response is still appropriate and spot on here. She's like, "Listen, shut the f up. <laughs> like I'm about to help you." Okay, I'm gonna do everything you asked of me. Stop lecturing me and just shut the f up. It is <laughs> right. That's what she says. And and you got you and David Fogel. Yeah, David. Is that his name? Yeah, you just talked about yes. the the Star Trek: The Last Best Hope book, and you both said that you can kind of understand where Clancy is coming from. Yes and her behavior after reading that book. And so um, does that book mo- and all that are you yeah, still yeah. feeling I mean, like that the, way here the book, now? I mean that takes place like eight, really it starts 18 years before uh, the Picard series. So yeah I mean like having air quotes 18 years of development of, of history really helps you understand the Clancy character a little bit more. Uh, so yeah I uh, I'm sure I'll I'll think and see things a little differently when we do like our little like retrospective especially with that book involved. So yeah, like I don't really have as many issues with Clancy now as I did when we first talked about that episode. So Okay. I'm cur- I'm curious about the listeners if yeah. if they might have similar feelings like if they've read the book or listened to the audiobook. So, have you by chance Okay. I have I have not gotten a chance to yet. Yeah, spring been, break now. It's okay. Work. <laughs> it's 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 a working spring break. Dad, come, dude. That I'm not getting paid for. Yeah. Okay. So then Picard, he has a talk with Soji. I believe he talks with Soji first where they're they're eating and he starts to talk about data and actually this is my favorite scene of the whole with them in the little cafeteria break room okay right and she basically says tell me about data and he starts talking about data and he says he was brave he was courageous he always made us laugh except when he was trying to make us laugh and, uh, you know, uh, I loved him in my way. And then Soji asked, well, did he love you? And she, and he says, well, his capacity for feeling was different. And, he, you know, he couldn't love people. And then she says, well, what would he say about you if he was here now? And Picard's like, I would hope that he'd say I trusted him. I was a friend of his. I helped him and encouraged him when he needed it. And I got out of his way when he didn't. And then Soji's like, he loved you. He definitely loved you. And I just really liked this scene. It was just the two of them talking. You know, when she said soft, poignant, he moment. loved you. Maybe it was just me, but like the, the times that I watched it, Eric, the way that that line landed with me, he loved you, was almost as if there was like something popping up in the positronic portion of her saying like confirming 
like legit confirming that Data did love Picard. Yeah, because her whole positronic brain yeah. is built from Data's neurons and Data's memories. And so it makes sense that like her saying mm -hmm. that would be something that actually is truthful. Yeah. Like a, Very, a real uh, memory within inside of her. I can say that's a real road, right? Or am I making that up? I'm Yeah. I don't I'm going that. with I don't it. Think so. It's a real word now in this show. Confirmatory? <laughs> it's confirmatory. I, I don't think so. I don't think it's a so. confirmation. How about that? Well, I'll I'll use my smarticles on this. I time. don't think so. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, it's your ship until so I get fired and told to go somewhere else. <laughs> oh lordy! But yeah, like there were there were moments like watching the show. I'm like, Eric's gonna love this. Yeah, <laughs> there, like there are definitely scenes of this episode that I like, mm -hmm. and this is definitely my favorite scene. Okay, and I think yes. I, I think yeah. I know what you're gonna mean about the other scene. And if you've listened to me on this podcast at all, and you if, should be it, able to let guess me give you a what other hint. scene I'm going okay, to like. Just listen to the last engage episode, and you'll know. The answer's there. Just listen to episode seven, Nepenthe, yeah. and, and you'll. You'll hear yeah. Eric talk about that. Yeah, oh. you will. Yeah, it, it was a very good scene, and I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it kind of would, but it wouldn't surprise me. But the 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 way that it was shot, like looking at like how that set was dressed, it really looked like the mess hall on Discovery to me. Like I was like looking at it, and I didn't have time to try and pull up like a like a side by side comparison, but it just really looked like the Dis the Discovery's mess hall, and like the tables and stuff like that. I'll have to go back and look at it, and if someone else is picking up on that too, then let me know so I'm not alone. But I don't. Did you notice that or get that vibe at all? I. I don't think the Discovery I is a memorable enough ship for me to remember what different places of it look like. Like the engineering, or I don't even know if it's engineering, but the spore drive place where Stamets hangs out. I don't even know if that is main engineering or not, but that's the only place I just remember that I think there I being would like recognize. Tables that got like flipped or some kind of fight that broke up broke out in the in the mess hall on I think like season one of Discovery. So, anyway. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I don't know. Well, it th that's the reason why I'm kind of like iffy set. because the Picard is shot in L.A. and Discovery is shot in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that's just and that's why I'm shot like in the same studio. Hmm. But anyway, it, it just could have been like my brain just playing tricks on me. So I mean, it's it's one of those like this really doesn't matter, but yet I'm going to talk about it kind of things, like I always do. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to talk about Rafi uh, finally being able to talk to Rios? Okay. Well, let's keep let's stay on Picard here for a second. Okay. Let's go Picard and Jurati. Right. 
okay? So basically, Picard gets back on the ship, and Rafi is like, Listen, listen, JL, listen, JL. Agnes is a spy. She's working for the Tal Shiar. He's like, get out of here. You're just a paranoid nut job conspiracy theorist. No, she's working for the Tal Shiar. She has a tracker inside of her. Is this a fact or a theory? Uh, it's a theory. Exactly. We think she killed Bruce Maddox. Who's we? And then they go so, and talk okay, to the I gotta the say image. this, like one of those like random things that I always point out. So whenever he was like, is that factor um, or theory, I automatically thought of Jonathan Frakes and him hosting, you know, uh, what was it? Um, unexplained. Oh, nonsense. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. But like the I know what the you're talking about, they, but I have no idea what the says, name of the host it is. always says yeah. is fact or fiction. And that was like the thing that I, I thought of. Unsolved cases, right? Or unexplained mysteries, something like that. Someone let us know. You're, I know you're screaming at your, your car speaker or, or your phone right now, or your tablet or your computer. Please don't scream at it. Don't be mad at your device. Be mad at us because we're idiots and can't really think of it right now. So let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can't hear you when you're listening back. We cannot back. hear you. So please yell at us by sending us a message. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's what I thought of whenever that that was said. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, good old. Yeah. Good old number he did one host hosting that, that show. show. But yeah, yeah, like you're like just. Treating her like she's just this conspiracy theorist, this this nut job, because like that's how everyone else has been viewing and treating Rafi for like the last decade and a half, including her own flesh and blood. And and you, and you saw that dynamic at play um, yeah. in the desert, you know, we're in episode three when we're first meeting Rafi, and Rafi's you know trying to hook hook him up with with a pilot in the form of Rios and. And they're sitting on the box in the desert, and then that happens. That conversation happens, and, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he's still treating her like, hey, you're just a nut job. But then she's like, I have proof this time. Damn it. <laughs> Stop it. Don't just dismiss me. Yeah, and, and Picard then believes her, right, because he's confronted with proof. And then he confronts Dr. Gerardi, mm -hmm. and she admits to killing Bruce Maddox. Yeah. And she admits to it because yeah. Commodore O brainwashed her. Yeah. And and she she's... I, I didn't... I don't know how I feel about, like, some of the stuff that she said. Okay, what did she say that she, didn't sit with you? And I'm, I'm probably going to get the lines wrong, so just, you know, roll with me on this one. That the whole thing about, like, I dream of, I dream and look forward to, and, and I'm constantly thinking about suicide type of thing. Yeah, yeah. She says, she says something to the effect of, do you believe in hell? And then Picard's like, no. And she's like, well, neither did I until she showed me this. 
and I think about suicide every day. That's yeah, what gets me like, through these images that have been put in my this mind. This is like very, like I know she's in a dark place, and you know, someone that's that works with people, you know, and that's had to make those calls for higher levels of care and stuff. It's just a very dark place to be, and I just... It didn't make me uncomfortable, as in, I don't want to not look at it or listen to this. It just... It, it, there was just some unease with it. And I think that was the intent, right? Like, with, when you're talking about suicide, but... I, I just... It, it, part of it just seemed very... Like, just shoved in there. It didn't feel natural for some reason to me. I, I, I don't even know how to explain this. It was just, it was very awkward and uncomfortable and just something about the whole suicide talk that just did not sit well or land well for me. And I, I feel like I'm stumbling over my own words with this. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I understand what you're saying because you work in mental health. And you're seeing somebody here struggle with through her mental health issues. And for you, suicide is never the answer. There's always places that you can go to to get help. And to hear someone openly talking about how this is the only option she feels like she has is very hard for you in your professional mindset yeah, and, well, to, yes. to understand. And it's there, there seems like there's like a certain level of joy with her which is like that's just a weird dichotomy in itself like there's joy thinking about suicide and that that was that was the thing too like with it and again like viewers could have had a completely different experience that's just mine and that's and that's okay so mm-hmm. no but it's it's interesting to think about so right? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much. I know you said it last week, but okay. I'm like, I'm. I'm. I'm done with her. Oh, I'm, I'm done. And with, I'm done with Doctor Gerardi. I'm just. I was very. I was really looking forward to what she was going to do. Like I thought she would be like. No, no, no. no but, but I was she looking forward really to what anything. she could have done. That's like, the point. Yeah, she's. Yeah. Right, when we first introduced her back in episodes one and two. Oh, this is an interesting person who could, you know, she's a scientist. She can, and she's the expert on AI. She can add something to the story, thought she but was she's going really to not done like anything. A Crusher Troy hybrid type of a character. And she hasn't really been either, despite the medical training, the AI, the science stuff, right? That, that you were just talking about. So. I believe I, I I firmly believe that every single character, even the bad ones, there's redemption and that there there can be a new story for them. Okay, we've seen that with the Borg, the big bads of of '90s Trek. There's redemption for the Borg for crying out loud. So there can be redemption and a new story for Jurati, but. At this point, I don't see it happening, and I just I don't care to hear that story play play out. I'm not. I'm not interested. So we'll I'm not see. Interested I mean, we got two more episodes left to see how this season's going to wrap up and what's going to happen with yeah. these characters. But uh, it, 
there would have to be something really profound happen for Jurati for me to care a lot more than I do right now. Good talk, yeah. everyone. Me too. Yep. And and there, there and then immediately following that scene, she finally has her first interaction with Soji, and she's like, "Do you get tired? Do you do you? What do you do when you're thirsty? Like, do you eat?" And it's like trying. I guess it's trying to have that same enthusiasm and curiosity that Kestra just had last week. But it doesn't work for me here. Like, I loved Kestra's curiosity and enthusiasm Do you have last week. So did you. <laughs> but when... Yeah, but, like, when when Agnes is doing this situation where she's asking these questions, it just... it For me, I did, it didn't work. Specifically after it had worked so well yeah. last week. I... Yeah. Okay, there's the, the interaction that Jurati is having with, with Soji... There's there's a line in which uh, Soji's like uh, basically saying like you were you were sent to kill me and uh, I would never give you the opportunity to do so. I thought our girl Jurati was gonna go cray cray and try and jump her like and blow her up or something like. In that moment, I really thought that there was going to be that a, moment? even more of a break, even more of a snap, and that there was going to be an attempt on Soji right then and there. Huh. I didn't. I didn't think that. I really did think she's at that. There's that really awkward scene where she comes out later and she says, huh, I'm done murdering people. Huh. Like... That was just a really cringeworthy thing. No. I think it was supposed to be humorous, no. but I don't know. It wasn't. <laughs> that's a ne that's a negative no. ghostwriter. <laughs> no, I'm done murdering people. Uh, yeah, um, I just I did not like anything that had to do with Doctor Agnes Gerardi in this episode, or the mm -hmm. one before it, or the one before it, or the one before All it. All right. Well, speaking of, you know the coming out and I'm done murdering people <laughs> there's <laughs> there's some ice cream and french fries involved yeah yeah this this hey hey look we have I don't know how many people are there here there's Picard Rafi Rios yeah. Soji and Gerardi there's five people they're hey. sitting around a table, and they're talking, right? And they're talking through the situation, and they're talking about what's happening, and their strategies, and what they're going to do, and yes, yes, please, yes, please, thank you more. Like, can we have people sitting around a table Eric, talking more like this? Eric, you got your table like talk this? presentation. Can we... Can we can we do more of this, please? Please, more of this, all of this, more of that. Right, all of this. Yes, yes, please. Okay, and in case you didn't get it, this was the scene that Chase yes. was talking about earlier. True that story. He knew I would like. Yes. Okay. So listen. 
I feel like almost all of our questions that we've had throughout this entire series pretty much are answered right yeah. here, aren't they? Right? Who was behind the synth attack? Why were they behind it? Right? Where did mm -hmm. Bruce Maddox go? Where did Soji come from? Right? Where are we eventually going to end up? Where's the big final confrontation of this season going to take place? Pretty much all yes. of that was answered right here in this scene. Right? And what are the answers? Uh, what, Romulans what are, are involved. Here? Straight up, like a told you so. Romulans are definitely involved. <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, yeah. She literally looks yeah. over and said, "Hey, does any of this sound so familiar?" So we get that, and uh, not only that, but um, uh, we we also <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. None of you can see this, but Chase just put the background behind him on his video. It's the the USS Voyager's observation Hope you're loving the conference this, man. table. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, man. Okay. So Romulans are involved. Uh, I think we learned that uh, Commodore O is half Romulan, half Vulcan at this part, too, as part of this exposition info dump. Yep. And, yep. and she was sent... By mm -hmm. the Jatvash to infiltrate Starfleet. And then, uh, hold on, going through the whole talky talk. Um, we also find out that uh, Jana was someone that Rios uh, or that had met earlier, and that and that's where Soji starts to connect these ideas to like what her homeworld is and how that kind of connects to this larger synthetic thing. Like with thresholds of of life at, for androids and synthetics, as well as uh, what Rios is talking about with like a threshold for warp speed. So we're getting a lot of stuff about the synthetic world and creation and thresholds. Right, and we get the basically the this octonary how some ancient civilization. <laughs> pulled eight suns together and stuck a planet stuck a planet in the middle like yeah. two three hundred thousand years ago yeah and they did it as a warning that the, when the Romulans found it they took it very seriously they created the Vash, and the Romulans right set this trap for the Mars attack so, to create this synth bank. I don't I don't want to ruin this Okay, I've been going through my own personal process of old sci-fi retconning in more recent days and weeks and stuff. Let me ask you this. Okay, and you can just tell me to shut up. That includes the listeners that are yelling at the speakers right now. With this thing, with androids and thresholds and things like that, you know, we talked about early on in the episode, in the flashback, how we have the Arium-looking thing and then the overlay of uh, data. Okay? Yes. I don't even want to say this thought, but... Do you think that 
Well, you can't what drop it now. What the writers are trying to do is to crea create an origin story for data-type characters, okay? In the sense that the data-type android had always been there and soon found one and more or less did a Maddox type of thing and reverse engineered it and took credit for it. That's an interesting thought. Um, I didn't think that that was what was happening, but I could definitely see that as a possibility that that is what this story is intending to do. That's a thought. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. That's not what I was thinking. But sure, I'm I just. See that I'm very concerned that if that is the direction that they're going, that. I mean. It yeah. makes date. It makes data less special. And it just. I don't know. Like. Yeah. Like Doctor Who, Star Trek, Star Wars. They've all been around for a half century, thereabouts. Right. I mean, Star Wars has been around for 40-plus years. You know, this for 50-plus years. Same thing with, with Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And I just, I get concerned. And I, I don't want to sound like a, a nerd, an angry nerd troll or anything like that, or a gatekeeper. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, I get concerned if that is the path they're going and, like, what that's going to mean for the franchise. Yeah, when they start to like retcon when stuff they start and rewrite to history. Rewrite yeah. history. If that is in fact what they're going, like I could be dead wrong and just be the cons the crazy nut job conspiracy theorist, like like Rafi, okay. But like, I think it's it's something worth considering. You know, if I'm just gonna shut up, I'm just gonna sh I'll shut up. And 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 we we have certainly seen the writers the the brain the brain trust of this show and Star Trek Discovery mm -hmm. we've definitely seen them rewrite history before so if they were doing it again it wouldn't and necessarily if, surprise uh, me I'm also wondering oh god I don't want to say this dang it I'm wondering if this conclave of eight this octanary system again like i was saying like with the jatvash and the Kuat malat i'm wondering if data androids like air quotes soon androids right if they are one and the same with the yeah. borg and that this is going to be a borg android kind of thing yeah, oh, just like we have Romulan, Vulcan. Point. Yeah. And Vulcan, yeah. Me too. I really hope that's not what's happening. But I could... Now that you've mentioned it, I mm -hmm. could see that as a distinct possibility. Same. But I hope that's not how this all ties together. Right? I would be disappointed. Like, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast and other podcasts, when you start to get backstory and history behind your villains, it makes them less scary. 
right? And we've seen the Borg as, like, the big bad guy um, throughout history, Star Trek, but previous to this. We're seeing a softening of the Borg now, but they're still the big bad guy. And, right, learning about them makes them less scary. Definitely, I think... I've mentioned that that's my big problem with Star Trek Voyager is there's too much too much Borg and they're not scary yeah. enough anymore. Yeah, all of Next Gen mm. and First Contact, I'm terrified of the Borg. But then like the the what the twenty thirty some odd yeah. instances of the Borg making appearances on Voyager, and then again on Enterprise, and then now on Picard, I'm like. All right, whatever, man. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something to think about. Hopefully hopefully they don't go True down story. that path cuz I would be disappointed. Right? But, you know, maybe but if you're out there listening to us and you're like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" That would be incredibly interesting. Then we're not here trying to yeah. change your mind. This is just so, our thoughts. Very interesting to see how it plays out in these next two episodes. And even if if it is something that we learn more about in the second season. You know, like how this may or may not. I don't know. Play it. Anyways, we're off. We're, we're, we're way out there now. We're, we're, we're out there. So let's bring it back in. So we're talking ice cream and french fries. And there were, there's like kind of two things that are still kind of happening on the Lost Arena that I think that we can kind of wrap up here pretty quick and then really, in short order, just talk very briefly about the artifact because there's really not that much. There's like a few prominent moments, but not too much. I I feel like I feel like we say that every week, except for the episode of The Impossible Box. We're like, well, we could just wrap up this Borg artifact yeah. stuff really fast, can't we? Because there's not a lot happening. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I feel like we continue to say that. Maybe we should lead that, with the short stuff. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so so no, La Serena. Let's finish this up. You said there's about you said okay, there's about so we two more things happening out of, here. You so know, why don't you get the quantum that? stream for a second? So we have Rios and Rafi in his his quarters talking about his experience on the Ibn Majid, okay, prior to the, the conference call, or the conference room with ice cream and french fries, and then we have um, you know, the bridge that's really what I'm getting at so, the quarters and the bridge and that's it for yeah. for the Lost Arena unless there's something that I missed okay so no, that that's it, that's it I think so Again, we got we kind of got a little out of place with this, and that's okay. Um, but Rafi finally kind of starts to put things together with uh, with what's going on with Rios, and he starts to talk about this grand heroic captain that he had alluded to in the third episode of, of this series. And we find out that they had met uh, Dodge and Soji earlier, but like under different names. At least that's how I took it. Like one was literally called Flower, and one was just called Jana. Yeah, that's how I took it. It was so it was I looked it Dodge up Soji, uh, yeah. with Jana because I, I look up names, 
and Jana is the feminine form of John. Excuse me. <coughs> and Jana means uh, God is gracious. And we, we look at Soji, which we talked about, general administrator or general minister, uh, which could be uh, a workaround for control. Like I think we talked about last week, the week before. And then Jana, God is gracious. And then Soji, or not Soji, um, Daj is a uh, gift of God or gift from God, something like that. So we have this gift and we have this grace that's kind of taking place Yeah. with these, these two characters. Uh, both being given from this this higher power, this Christian God, this you know all-encompassing God, whatever you want to call it, um, in this series, and yeah, so they they've met at one point, and then it's kind of explained like this is kind of the mission that kind of had to not exist anymore, had to be eliminated from the archives, basically from the logs. Yeah, so, like, Commodore O basically calls up um, this Captain Vandermeer and says, you have to kill these two, and he comes in and just shoots them, and then Chris Rios tries to get him to explain why, and then he mm-hmm. shoots himself. Wow. Like, and, and I was talking about this earlier, like, this isn't... Okay, do you like this idea of connecting Chris Rios's past history and past trauma back into our main story? I mean, I'm neither do you for like it that nor idea? against it. Right, because I, I led off yeah. the, earlier in this episode by saying I don't like it. And I, I just... It's an interesting idea, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's totally unnecessary. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the Federation is certainly very interconnected, and you have them all over the different quadrants, right? I mean, by this point, there's probably going to be more Delta and Gamma Quadrant exploration than there was, you know, 15, 20 years prior. So... There's going to be more information sharing, but like like you're saying with these other sci-fi franchises, like why does it have to focus on the same dozen, two dozen people, right? So it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not in one camp or the other. Um, I would. I. I'm gonna sound kind of weird for saying this after. The things I've said in past episodes, but I would like to see Rios in his commander uniform with Captain Vandermeer on the USS Ibn Medjid and, and seeing this, this stuff play out in a flashback next week. Will that happen? Probably not. But that would be one flashback I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing that if that was how an episode opened up. I think... At this point, that flashback would be unnecessary because it'd just be repeating things we've already seen. And the whole purpose of these flashbacks mm-hmm. is to tell us what we need yeah. to know going forward. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. <coughs> I don't know. So, 
So, so let's following go to the, let's go to the, bridge. the, uh, the ready room, following the observation lounge, the conference room, whatever you want to call it, the lunch room, um, Soji just decides she's going to go hijack the ship. <laughs> yeah, she's going to hijack the ship. She's going to fly it right into a Borg transwarp hub. And she's going to go home. Did I, did I hear this right? Um, I probably didn't, but they said we've traveled 25 light years in like nine minutes. Yeah, that's on the the, is, the upcoming episode. Is that's that what on the it was? Preview. After they go into <coughs> the, the, I was the, gonna say the, like the trend. Yeah, twenty five light years doesn't seem like it's that much. To well, in I mean, it's probably not, but in like well, ten minutes, I, it seems like quite. Anyways, large like I was just thinking, like if they were gonna say twenty five thousand light years in nine minutes, I'm like that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's that's kind that's of a kind big of fast, deal, right? Okay, a little Ron Burgundy big deal moment right there. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, Chris Rios sings a little lullaby, and somehow that makes her stop, and that makes the 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 force field come down. I didn't really quite understand uh, that. I'm only assuming Maybe that there's been that? some kind of like special command code. That overrides anything by singing a lullaby. That's that's kind of how I explained it to myself in my head. Yeah, but I, was like, what? I will say what this: I liked what Picard said because Rios is like standing behind this force field, like where like the the railing is for um, the break room. Yeah, <coughs> behind the bridge. Behind the Excuse bridge. Me, guys. Yeah. But. You know, she's there, she's she's trying to pilot the thing and, and make it go to a place, this home world, this wherever she's trying to go. And after the, the force field comes down, Picard says to them, you know, she's done it, or we've done it uh, my way, we've done it what Maddox's way, let's do it her way. So this open-mindedness, finally, yeah. like like willing to really think or to do other people's ideas like that landed really well for me with that line right right and 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 that that leads me into the scene where it's just rios and picard later on the bridge and they're talking and picard says you know i when i was just a young officer on the reliance i used to stand up here and think i was the only person alive and he's like, I knew Captain Vandermeer just briefly, and he was the first mate to, to Marta. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's Marta from Tapestry, yeah. obviously. My best of Picard moment. And then, and then they're talking, and Rio says, look, this girl hacked my ship in five minutes, and we're going to a planet where there might be lots of them. Like, is this the right thing to do? What if the Romulans were right? And he says, who knows what's going to happen, right? We know what the happened in the past. The past is written, but we don't know what the future is going to hold, right? And we can go into the future with our tools, which are optimism and open-mindedness, 
right? And those, I feel like those are the tools of Star Trek and Starfleet. Yes. Optimism and open-mindedness, right? And we have seen very little optimism throughout this show, and we have seen very little open-mindedness throughout I would, this show. I would dare to say, please no, no hate tweeting, that we have not seen that in this era of Star Trek up to this point. Yes. So when this era, you mean Picard and Discovery? Okay, all right. <coughs> I think that you were and, probably uh, right anyways, about that. Anyways, the pitchforks and the torches will be showing up here at the station here pretty soon. <laughs> they'll, they'll go to, uh, to the... Yeah. They'll, get it, they'll get torches and pitchforks replicated and <laughs> they'll come into the conference room or the or ops or whatever. How dare you say that? <laughs> dare you? Okay. I I think I think I think we're done with the La Serena. And for me, the La Serena, this is enough. The whole episode could have just been here. This really feels like two interconnected ideas that they tried to like squished together and they don't yeah. fit for me at all. I don't know if you feel that no, same way you are at crazy, all but or if I'm just crazy. <laughs> Certifiable. Oh, no, okay. yeah, like okay. there there are two there are two stories. I mean like all all Star Trek or mo or Mm-hmm. Yes, there's an there's mm-hmm. an a, there's an A plot and a B plot. I get that. But somehow those A plot and those B plot generally yeah. have something to do with each other. Right? These have nothing to do with each other mm-hmm. like at all. So, so Borg cube, artifact, whatever yeah. you want to call the thing. The the thing in space with all the gr- mm-hmm. with the uh the green construction cones the all around it. Uh so we pick up from Simba being uh, rescued by Mufasa in the elephant graveyard, and they're they're walking the plains, going back to Pride Rock, and uh, oh wait, yeah, but but hold on, hold on, let's let's talk about this for a second, because because no no no, I think this is important, and I and I want to dive into this relationship between Seven of Nine and Elnor, okay. So, from the only interaction that we saw with them was in Stardust City Rag, where yeah. Elnor basically right. has nothing to do that episode, right? He, he just He's basically just there. But here it shows up, and, um, you know, Seven of Nine rescues him, and he gives her this big hug. And it's like, okay, that didn't necessarily feel warranted. I didn't think that they're rela- Maybe he's just afraid, and he wants someone to comfort him at that point. But I didn't feel like their relationship had progressed to a point of, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I'm going to give you this big embrace. And I even kind of, you even kind of saw that with Seven Nine. She was like, okay, like, that's enough hugging. Get off of me. I'm here. I, what do you think? It was, it was, it was all right. I mean, it was kind of awkward because, like, yeah, like, they had, like, yeah, I mean, like she beams in almost and no interaction in that that the end of the the absolute candor episode, and he's got his katana, 
or whatever drawn ready to slice her head off and then yeah again in Stardust City Rag and that's about it he's just walking around and and then that's it yeah so yeah but but then but then if you watch the ready room for this episode it's uh got uh Jonathan Del Arco and Jerry Ryan okay and so Jerry Ryan is talking in this in this ready room in this interview she's like well seven of nine feels this new protection and motherly or big sisterly affection toward Elnor in the same way that she felt toward no, Egypt, especially no, now that no. after she's lost Egypt. No. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? And, and I, I didn't, you know what I'm I talking didn't about, get that right? at How she gave all. that interview? With... Me neither. I was like, so, what are you talking about? No, I thought the, the, the person that stole all the, all the scenes that that just blew it away and everything by all rights was was seven was jerry ryan and elnor was just kind of there this episode he was he's just kind of there in every episode and he really has nothing to do to it's probably too little too late for him but i really 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 hope in this this two-part season finale that there's going to be something really good for him. I think you're... I, I, think I, I, you're exactly. I think it's too little too late. not going to get that. I don't think I it's just, there. Evan Evagora seems like a very nice and kind gentleman of a guy. I just... I, I want so badly for him to have more for his character to do something with, you know? I don't think it's coming. Yeah. I really don't. I really don't think it's coming. Okay. So, so Seven and Elnor, they go to the Queen Cell, and she's going to activate the Queen Cell, and um, she says, there are all of these Borg drones still in stasis, and what we can do to get out of here is I can release them, and I can hook them up to some kind of mini-collective. And Elnor says, we'll do that. That sounds like a great idea. And she says, you want me to enslave them, strip their minds from them, and assimilate them again? That's a terrible thing to do. And I would never want to do that to somebody. And I believe Seven of Nine in that moment, that she she would never want to do that to somebody. And so I do believe that this is a tough decision for her, where she is eventually going to hook herself up to the board cube okay here's the part that i was a little lost on here and you just talked about like all these borg that are in stasis so they've we know from earlier in the season with Narek doing his austin powers talk of like how the cube and all in it have been disconnected from the borg network basically but they're still assimilate. So that that was the part that I was a little confused on, Eric, with Well, I don't think they're still assimilated. I think that they're just they're disconnected, but they're just like so powered down. Cause we've seen Seven of Nine still had to regenerate 
and Egypt and those other Borg children still had to regenerate even after they were but it seemed like, severed from the collective. Okay. I don't know. Like, I guess it was just really unclear for me. Like, because, like, you know, like, we see the operating table stuff. Like, they're taking the hardware and stuff off. So, I guess in my mind, these are like the the hundreds or the thousands or the X number of Borg that they haven't been able to do surgery on. Okay? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. At least not so yet. There's so many of them, like, they just haven't gotten to them yet. They're still Borg. There's still some kind of, like, uber-explained, uber-powerful force field that's making them stay in sleepy time mode. But they're still Borg. Mm-hmm. So... I was like when she said like you want me to enslave them and take away their individuality I was thinking like I didn't yeah well have they gotten their individually yeah. because like we've seen back yet I mean we, we did the like the walkabout with Hugh and, and Picard seeing like this like guy getting his life back through surgery so I was just kind of like stuck on like well, they're not, you know, XBs. They're still Bs. Yeah. Right. They're just powered down Bs. Yeah. Mm. No, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um. So. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. But does that, does that I, have to make sense? That. No, it makes it makes it definitely makes sense. It definitely makes sense, and um, uh, it's something that I will definitely sure. pay attention to and think about okay. more as we move forward. Okay, but so so my, the point I wanted to get to in this scene is, you know, we see Seven of Nine hook herself up to this cube, and she now takes on the role of like the Borg Queen. And, um, you know, all the interaction that Seven of Nine has had with the Borg Queen in the past on Voyager. So they're like, oh, look, now Seven's the Borg Queen. But for me, I, I, I said this when we got Jerry Ryan before, and I'm saying it now. For me, she doesn't fit into this story. I feel like Seven of Nine was forced into this story. Where every other character we brought back, Data... You know, Riker, Troy, Hugh. I felt like they've all fit. But the two main episodes that we've got Seven of Nine in, she doesn't fit for me. And in my mind, this would have been a much better, more powerful scene if this was Hugh hooking himself up to the Borg Cube. Because Hugh actually has a relationship with this cube and the XBs here. So I believe it would have been better to not kill Hugh in the last episode and have Hugh be Having up. Hugh be the Borg Queen. And I'm just curious what you think about that. Of the collective, well, yeah. Yeah, having Hugh be the voice of the this min, this little mini collective. Because I feel like this would be a, a, like a, a real character struggle for him because he's worked so hard on this reclamation project to de-assimilate them. And his eventual goal is to eventually de-assimilate all of the Borg on this cube. 
yeah, when, yeah, when we meet Hugh a long, long time ago in a galaxy very, very near to us, he's learning to get his own voice. It would have been very... I, I like that idea a lot, Eric. It would have been very powerful, even in a creepy way, to have Hugh hooked up to those those wires, those cables, and for him to use his own, air quotes, voice to command everyone to do something. I think that would have been a very fun, fun and powerful character arc to see have happened for Hugh. I like that. I wish that would have happened now. Right. I think... Yeah, I think that's a better idea than just flippantly killing him the way they did I before. I didn't like... Here's the in thing. The last like, episode. Go ahead. And... Yeah. No, no. And, and again, in this same ready room, like, Will Wheaton was like, yeah, Hugh dies, no, but he, he gets in such not. an awesome death scene. And, and then and, and then Jonathan DeLarco agrees. And I'm like, really? You agree you got, that this was an you awesome got done death thrown scene? a little ninja star on your neck, and you call that a good... And, and, and I can understand maybe Jonathan DeLarco, even if, if, if he doesn't agree with it, he's being professional and he's like, yeah, sure, it was a cool death scene. But for Will Wheaton to be like, this is such a cool death scene. I, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. What would you have thought? I don't thought, agree with it. What would you have thought if this whole Hugh being the voice of the collective kind of thing? What would you think about him being permanently re reassimilated into the Borg? I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Because Hugh is, Hugh has come such a long way since like the mm -hmm. kid that we saw him, right? And now, like, he's the director of this reclamation project, and to just see all of that work yeah. be undone, I don't like that idea at all. And here's to have the thing: like, permanently go back. I really wish we could have seen him, like, do this thing, right? Like this, be the Borg king, be the Borg queen, be the voice of the collective type of thing like we're, we're kind of talking about with with Jerry Ryan Jerry Ryan 7 of 9 I just it did not it just didn't sit well with me with I, I can understand the logic of it of like we gotta get these people off we gotta we gotta you know save ourselves basically I just don't I don't see 7 making that decision like being so willing to just take on the role of the board queen. I don't see that at all. And that I had a very difficult time with that with that. And plus, like, I get technologies advanced and things like that. Maybe even the Borg have advanced, and maybe the board queen looks different now, but like the whole black eyes for for the board queen? No, man. Yeah, yeah. I totally get what you're saying. See, I, I kind of kind of thought that it does make sense for her to strap into this thing. Because we... We... 
there was that episode in Voyager where uh, Seven of Nine is with three other drones where they get, like, they crash land on some planet and she, like, hooks them. They get severed from the collective and she hooks them up to their own little mini collective, those, those four of them. And then years later, the three of them come back and they're like, you ruined our lives for doing this. Maybe I've just changed my mind. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe she wouldn't do it because because of that that episode where she did hook people up to a mini collective and they came back later in time and said, you ruined our life. Huh. Maybe I just changed my mind right here. Wow. Right. Right. Real time. Real time mind changing. It has happened on the show before. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think I just changed my mind. I did. I definitely changed my mind. You're right. I don't think she would do this, especially yeah, as quickly yeah, and, and as easily as she did. I don't. I don't know. Like, whether whether you've been in a bad relationship or you've had a bad experience with something, like if something traumatizes you, even if there is a really great good, you know, on the other side of it, I, I don't know. It just, I no, I no. I didn't like it. It's what happened. That's okay. But I'm interested to, to see what this this line is that that Seven says. Yeah, she says, Eleanor basically goes, are you going to assimilate me now? And she goes, Annika still has work yeah. to do. What the devil is that supposed to mean? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. What does that mean? And and they even asked her. Will Wheaton even asked about that in the ready room? Like, Can you tell me what that means? And she's like, no. She's like, yeah, she's like, blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. No, no, I can't tell you. So so hopefully hopefully this board cube with Seven and Elnor has something to do with the epic conclusion that the epic hopefully epic conclusion that we're going to get in this final showdown between the sins the romulans commander and eric the board i would be comes in livid livid capital l livid maybe even a clapback yes five if exclamation points afterwards the the name of the borg queen is now annika i would hate that I would hate it if if Seven becomes the new Borg Queen permanently. I would hate that. That'd be a terrible use for a legacy character, just in my opinion. That would be one of the worst possible things the writers could ever do. And that's that that's our absolute absolutely right awful. There. Right, and I would hope that Jerry Ryan would say. F you if they came to her with that idea. <laughs> I would hope that's that Jerry Ryan would yeah, say that. Please, please because no. that would please be no. awful. Please no. So. Please no. Um, Is that it? Is that the episode? Sir, sir, we can talk about Narissa being a comic book. She's being a comic book villain, essentially, going off and killing these XBs. Like, I need a new weapon. You just broke my yeah, weapon. Basically, all Give she's doing is coming up with a plan to get rid of all these XBs and Borg and stuff that are on the cube. 
shooting some people down and then dogpile on her at the very end, which I was think. And, and hold on, let me go back to the the beginning of this episode. She's she's talking to Ramda in um, in like a coma or, or, or on the table or dead or something. I would have made a better Borg than you. Resistance is futile. And then we get the dogpile. Did you think she was getting assimilated by chance? Because I did. Well, I did. I, I had said last week that there's no way she makes it out of this season alive, right? She's got to get her comeuppance, and we're all going to be going like, Yeah! Cheering when it happens. And I kind of did maybe think that this was going to be the comeuppance. But, uh, but she's the bad guy in this season yeah. one, right? Is she, like, the bad guy? Like... There might be little bad guys along the well, way, but there's the big bad guy at the end. She's the big bad guy at the end, isn't she? Or is it no, Commodore O? That's the thing. I played a lot of role-playing games like Final Fantasy. And uh, in Final Fantasy games, you 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 find out who the big bad is, usually on the second disc. End of the first, sometime in the second disc. And then you finally get to the final boss fight. And you find out that there's a final, final boss fight. That there's a bigger bad than the bigger than the big bad. So I think we're about to find out who the big bad is, either next episode or the following week, and that's going to really set things off for season two. Yeah. See, I was kind of thinking like 24. You know, there's like who we think is the bad guy, and then there's like somebody behind that, yeah. and then that's there's how, like yeah. a guy same, behind same that. Same thing with with video game logic. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, season one. It's uh, it's this guy. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Oh my God, no, no, I did not just draw a blank. The Live here in real time on 24. Between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. Oh my God. Oh my God. What's his name? What's his name? The Ira Gaines. Well, well Ira Gaines, right? That's his name. Like we, th we think he's the bad guy, and then we it's learn that he's Richard not Nixon. the bad guy. There's somebody else, right? Right. But then, the guy, the bad guy who comes after Ira Gaines, is not the ultimate yeah. bad guy. There's still another ultimate bad guy after that. Yeah. And maybe, maybe next week we'll see like the ultimate bad guy. But so far, I would say the biggest Good old bad Cersei guy this Lannister. is Nerissa. All right. Well, we're at yep. that that time in the show, and we've probably given this episode more time than it deserves. So, probably. Well, well, absolute candor. I think we gave a lot more time than it deserved as well, so, and we both <clears throat> disliked that episode. With this well. one. This this particular episode, um, it was meh for me. I I didn't get to watch it at uh, 5:30 in the morning on on Thursdays like I normally do because I was on the airplane. Uh, I actually did watch it at 5:30 in the morning. This is the okay. only one I've watched that early because I had to go in early okay. to work that day. So I, I watched like, this watch on ahead of time. the <laughs> plane, both going and coming back from Atlanta. Uh watching it intently and it was just to me it was just a boring episode and there wasn't anything too 
particularly memorable about this episode. I didn't... I just... It was meh for me. And because it was meh for me, this was a 7. This was just a, a plain old boring 7. Maybe like a 6.75. But it was just meh for me. Yeah, this episode, it just... It, it like... I know sometimes shows do this where like they're 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 gonna have an action packed finale. So the episode right before the action packed finale is somewhat of a slower episode. Right. I know sometimes shows do that. And this just feels like that that we can't have three hugely packed action packed episodes all right in a row, which I disagree with. I think you could have three action-packed episodes right in a row. I don't know why you couldn't. But this just feels like purposely the calm before the storm. And this episode really felt like two episodes shoved together. And it didn't work for me, like, at all. Like, it didn't work, right? And I... Okay. I'm going to give this, like, a six... This is this This is my least favorite episode actually. Like I, this is my least favorite episode. I I did not like this episode and it got worse it the more times I watched it. It felt very clunky as an episode. It was it was it was yeah. it was it was not good in my so, opinion. I didn't like I didn't like it. Yeah, like I think for me like 6 6.5 is is an appropriate one for me. Um and and you you're giving it a 6. So yeah, it's in that it's in the 6s, you know, for this week for the show and uh you know, if you if you guys enjoyed it, you know, more power to you. And you know, I I really hope people did enjoy this episode. I hope there are some people out there that really truly enjoyed it more than we did. Um because that's totally fine, you know. Uh, we're not going to tell you how to think or how to feel about something. We're just kind of two, you know, two dudes that have known each other for a while, just talking Trek, kind of giving our opinions. That's that's all this is. So, uh, but yeah, next week we have the the penultimate episode, which I knew that word before Will Wheaton ever said it. I've been using it for years, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, just means so yeah, next we're, to last. But it's a two it's mm-hmm. a it's a two part episode. It's part one, part two. Yes. At Acadia Ego. Which basically means um in Arcadia yes. I'm there too, and the I meaning death. Basically. So death comes to paradise essentially. So we'll see what happens. Like if this so, is is this speaking of you know, this is the final nail in the coffin coffin for like the death of of like Starfleet or the Federation or, or or what is this something else? Is this like the death of this android synth society that we've kind of been theorizing? Yeah, whomever this whomever this person or whatever this thing is right. that shows up once you pass this threshold is this is this death? Yeah. That is this. So what's I mean, going we'll see. Coming? We'll see what happens. And, uh, anyway, anyway, that's, um, 
that's that. So yeah, two more two more episodes. So we will be. Uh, I mean, this will be coming out on the fifteenth of March. You know, for this episode eight of Engage. So we only have just just like with Picard, only having two more episodes. We have two more episodes, really three more episodes of this. So our last regular live type reaction will um, will air March 29th, um, as long as everything goes well with life and stuff. And then we'll probably plan on doing um, our retrospective, um, releasing that somewhere around April 12th or 19th, give ourselves about two or three weeks uh, removal from the show ending before we we gather our our total thoughts on it so if that changes we'll let you know um i know you guys are listening to this uh for engage Uh, i want to give you guys a little heads up that uh there i'm still debating if there will be a regular episode released um on march uh, 17th um i've been talking to some other uh podcasters and we're we're debating partnering on something and releasing um, something amid all this COVID-19 nonsense so uh, just uh, be on the lookout we're, we're planning on some, we're, we're talking about doing something special so um, it there might be there might or might not be an episode on the 17th that airs it might be the 18th or the 19th um, but there's still going to be something that pops up around the normal time slot so I'll, I'll put stuff out on on social media. So sorry to ramble the guys. I just wanted to give you all a heads up on all that stuff. So there we are, Eric. We done did it. Yay. We did it. All right. Well, um, we're going to call it for the night. Um, you guys know the drill. At least I hope you do by now. You know, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love to know what you think about and kind of how you're experiencing the show. Like, are you still all in on Picard? Or has this kind of taken the wind out of your sails, so to speak, uh, with how some of the developments and the stories have been, you know, either with this episode or more recent episodes? Let us know. Um, and, you know, we can talk about it if you really want to talk about it. Uh, apart from that, though, if you want to uh, support the show, please tell your friends about it. Um, you know, we're, we're really starting to get, um, a pretty decent following with the subscriptions that we have, like on Podbean and iTunes and things like that. So, you know, if you have a Podbean account, if you're listening there, make sure that you, you follow the, the podcast there, uh, one so that more people can find it. Uh, same thing with all these services and comment on it. It helps the algorithm with people finding it and stuff like that. And of course, if you want to help keep the lights on here at the station, and uh, you know, keep the dilithium crystals, um, you know, ready and raring to go for the vigilant. Uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash These Are the Voyages. Of course, you can connect with us on all the socials at TRTVPod um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have a Facebook page and a group. And um, uh, apart from that, if you want to, like I said earlier, if you want to get in contact with us, make sure you open up hailing frequencies and enter in coordinates TRTVPod at Gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of Engage or These Are the Voyages. And finally, if you want to just send some stuff in the old-fashioned way, okay? If you want to just throw it on the Enterprise or the Defiant or 
whatever you want to do. You can do that. It'll get to us here at Lone Star Station, just entering coordinates P.O. Box 2455 Azle, Texas, A-Z-L-E 76098. Guys, thank you again for uh, sticking with us this long and uh, engaging with us. And as always, may you boldly go and make it so.